0: Hello, this is Jake Watkins. I'm the Young Adults Pastor at Cross City Christian Church and welcome to our podcast. I hope this talk inspires you and encourages you into anchoring the love and power of Jesus into your daily life. Enjoy the message. he said he was looking forward to swimming this summer. Um, I'd have to agree because uh, there's just something about the heat here that makes me want to be submerged in water uh, during the summer. And we have a pool in the house that my wife and I currently reside. Um, And it's been a pain to upkeep and keep up through the winter because we got these giant trees in our backyard and it's always dropping stuff and just like dirt's always blowing in the pool and it's just so tedious in the winter to keep up with the pool and but it's all worth it in the summer right when you get to enjoy it like every day so I'm looking forward to that but the a couple weeks ago I had a an incident with my pool and I was brushing it with a big pool sweep and you know, I'm brushing the thing. Getting a lot of shoulder action in there. And I had my AirPods in, my AirPod Pros that my wife had just gotten me for my trip to Jerusalem. Yeah, you can, you can tell where it's going. And McKenna uh, was talking to me, and I, uh, the AirPod Pros, I love this feature, it's noise cancellation, so I can't hear anything but what I'm listening to. And so she's talking to me, and it just looks like this. And I'm like, I'm oh, sorry. And I take out my AirPod to hear what she was saying, and it, it like came out weird, and I lost control of it. And it fell and it just took the most awkward bounce that anything could possibly take. And it hit the cement and like bounced and like went like six feet this way, straight into the water. To the point, I was like, and like, you know, it's slow motion when it's happening, like you're watching it fall out of your hand, it hits the ground, it goes into the pool, and it's like right there, and I'm like reaching out, but it's just far enough where it's, I can't get it, like just a hair far enough, and then it starts slowly sinking to the bottom. I'm like, <laughs> And like I almost just full fledged just dove in, but I was I'm not I'm not that brave. Like the water's way too cold, so I had to run across the yard to get the other pool thing with the net, and I run back over and like I'm trying to fish it out, but it's so tiny in water. I'm trying to get it, so I get it. And I finally get it out of the pool. And the thing is just, like, soaked. So then I go into, like, panic mode, and I Google, like, should I put my AirPod in rice? Uh, Which the answer is no. They're like, don't put it in rice, your AirPod, because it's, like, little pieces of grain will just get stuck, and it, it just it'll never sound the same again. They're like, best thing to do, just let it dry. Like, just let it dry. So I was like, okay, I'm gonna try and let it dry, and like I'm blowing water out of it, trying to like shake it out, and I set it down. And I don't have the patience to let it dry for very long, right? And I just wanna know, do I need to order a new AirPod? Yes or no, right? And if you're gonna order like one AirPod, it's like 90 bucks for one side. You're literally paying like half the cost of AirPods for one of And so, anyway, I just want to know. I'm like, oh, worried about it. I'm already, like, searching new AirPods, and it's drying on the counter. And I don't let it dry very long because my patience is short. And I put it in my ear, and what do you do with something that you're not sure works or is working properly? You test the functionality of said device. So, I put it in my ear, and I start playing some tunes, and it, it was not good, all right? Not a good diagnosis. It was like... Like straight in my ear, like loud, high pitch. I was like, I like threw it out of my ear because it would like hurt. And I was like, no, the, I was like, babe, these things are done. These things are toast. This just ruined my life. Like I was in a bad mood. I was in a bad mood. I was like, it's done. It's done. And I put it back on the counter. And, and McKenna, she is like, she, she's so great. She deals with me in my psychotic episodes. And she's like, babe, it's going to be okay. If you need to order a new one, you can order a new one, just let it dry for a little bit longer. Just give it a little, longer. I'm like, no, there's no way, like I let it dry, for it, it's, it, it, there's no way. Hours go by, I leave it, I leave it for like six hours, and I come back, I was like, okay, some time is gone, and I put it back in my ear to test the functionality, and I turn it on, and I can actually, I'm like, I'm hearing sound, I'm like, there's no way it just magically fixed itself. Like it really, I just had to let it dry and it fixed itself. So um, I put it through its paces and not only did I make sure I was getting sound out of it, but I put the other AirPod in and I made sure it had equal sound, right? And then I pract- I made sure it could do the noise cancellation. I made sure I could do transparency mode. I made sure I could be heard on a phone call with just that AirPod. I went onto YouTube and I did a frequency tester where it literally goes through all the frequencies that you could possibly hear out of a headphone, like it tested bass all the way up for like the the tenor range, like all the way up there, all the frequencies. And to my surprise, it worked, and my AirPod was saved, and that's how I know God is real. And uh, and, uh, so I'm just saying, I'm just saying, I'm just saying. But I had to test the functionality of my AirPods to make sure that they worked properly. And I say all that to say that James, the author of the book of James, Jesus' half-brother, he was very concerned about the functionality of the early church's faith. He was very concerned. He wanted to make sure that they had a faith that works. And so we sent them this letter, and he wanted to test this early church's faith. He wanted to test the functionality. He wanted them to to go through the paces, to really go through the checklist and make sure, look at A, B, C, D, does your faith work? And what we want at the end of the day, as a church, as believers, is we want faith that works. We don't want our faith to be for show. We don't want it to be just something that we claim but doesn't actually do anything. We want our faith to impact our lives. The reality is that our faith should be so real and tangible, and it should be functioning and working to a degree that really changes our lives in a deep and tangible way. That's what James wanted, a faith that works for the early believers. And so we've been going through chapter by chapter through the book of James, and he's been kind of talking about all the different ways that our faith should function. And so we get to chapter 4, and I love chapter 4 because he really gives us some tests that we can run. He really gives us uh, some ways that we can see that our faith is functioning correctly, and he gives us these tests, and then he gives us some some things, some fixes for any problems that we may diagnose, right? And so we're in chapter four today, and I know a lot of you just finished your college courses and stuff, but the, the, the essence of chapter four of James, he's got a lot to say in very little words, all right? He's like Kevin from The Office. Why use many word when few word do trick? He like packs so much stuff that if you just glance over it, you're going to miss so much meat that's left on here. So what we're going to do is we're going to do a little bit of like seminary where it kind of, I'm going to break down a little bit verse by verse here. And really, I'm going to talk about what James gives us as a testing. He wants to make sure our faith is functional. So he's going to do some function testing here on our faith. So here's what we read in chapter four. We're going to read a big part of it, and then I'm going to kind of go through, okay? So this is what it says. Read along with me. It says, what is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? You want what you don't have, and so you scheme and kill to get it. You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it, so you fight and wage war to take it away from them. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. You adulterers, don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I say it again, if you wanna be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. Do you think the scriptures have no meaning? They say that God is passionate, that the spirit he has placed within us should be faithful to him, and he gives us grace generously. As the scriptures say, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Just a few more verses here. So humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come close to God and he will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. I'm going to skip verse 9, 10. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up in honor. So James, man, that's a lot. It it feels like a lot. It's very wordy. It feels like he jumps around a bit. So I want to break this down. But really, uh, James really gives us some symptoms. He gives us some symptoms to look out for. You want to look at your faith, and he says, look for these symptoms, these signs that your faith isn't functioning correctly. If you see these things, it's going to be an indicator that maybe something is off spiritually. That's what that's what he's saying here. So, here's the first sign we come to is this is that uh, the first sign is the problems in your relationships. The first sign to look out for, the first sign that your faith isn't functioning correctly is problems in your relationships. So, verse 1 it says, "What is causing the quarrels and fights among you?" See, James recognized a sign or a symptom in the early church, and it was manifesting itself as fights and arguments and quarrels. And these fights were happening inside the church, the the body of believers that considered themselves family, and they were happening outside of the church with the people that God had called them to love. So not only are they having fights and quarrels amongst themselves as a body of believers, the people who they call brothers and sisters, but outside of that, they were also quarreling with the people. People around them. They're having some fights. If, if you remember, the church is being persecuted at this time, so they're kind of spread out from Jerusalem in different cities, and they're, sometimes they're not really getting along with their neighbors, the people that God had called them to love. Now, Jesus told them, remember, love God and love others, and it's not just any type of love, but we're supposed to love people how Jesus loved us. The church was supposed to be recognized for how they loved, but after a while, these fights started to break out among the believers. And and so James hears about this and he asks, what is causing these fights among you? What what is making you, these followers of Jesus, what's making you fight with each other and with others? I wanna say that he's probably posing the same question to us today. The beautiful thing about the Bible is that it was relevant hundreds and hundreds of years ago, and it's still relevant today. So if you can look at it, a, a test: if your faith is functioning when it comes to your closest relationships, are you seeing problems? In your closest relationships, do you have problems? Are you constantly fighting with your family or your closest friends? Are you having problems in your church group? Are you having problems at work? Are you, are you having uh, problems with every barista that can't seem to make your drink right, and so you're gonna take it out on them? Like, are you having problems? Jesus and James says pay attention to your relational health because it can be a sign that spiritually something is off. So that's, that's the first thing he says to look out for. And it ties into the second sign to look for that your faith is not functioning correctly. And it's this. You do not have you do not have. So he said, hey, look out for some problems in relationships, and he also says, look out for signs that you do not have. So verse two, this is what I'm talking about. He says, you want what you do not have, so you scheme and you kill to get it. You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it, so you fight and wage war to take it away from them. Now James, he uses some really strong language here. He says, you scheme and you kill. You scheme and you kill, you rage war. On a grand scale, we can say that that's true of like government bodies. Like we see that throughout history. We see governments war for things they can't have. We, we see people fight and kill for oil and land and natural resources. Uh, on a grand scale, we can see that that's true. But when James is addressing the church, I don't think that a lot of murder was happening in the early church. I don't think Christians were going around mass murdering other Christians. That's not what James was addressing. See, I want us to look through this with the lens of like he's talking metaphorically uh, and, and through this lens of kind of like a metaphor, kind of this imagery, because I hope that no one is killing or scheming to kill each other in this room physically but maybe, maybe you're trying to kill someone's reputation. And maybe you're not trying to physically murder someone, but you're trying to like murder what other people think about them. And there may be someone you've started to resent because they have the job you want or the boyfriend or girlfriend you want or they're recognized for their skill and talent at work and you don't have what they have and you're jealous and so you decide to try and murder their reputation through lies or you're trying to trip them up. Whatever it is, this is what James says, you've come to a conclusion that you do not have that you are lacking something and you can't get it. And so your heart has waged war and it's coming out of you in a damaging way that's hurting your relationships and the people around you. Which leads to the third symptom of a faith that's not functioning properly and it's this, you do not ask. So he's going through this list. Your signs your faith isn't functioning correctly. Problems in your relationships you do not have. You feel like you're lacking, and so you're trying to take. And the third thing is you do not ask. Look at this last part of verse 2. He says, you are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it. So you fight and wage war to take it away from them. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. James says, you, you, you don't have, so you try and take from others. Yet even when you're trying to take, you're still not getting what you want, and, and, and you, so you don't have it. What you are missing, James says, what you are missing is you're not asking. What you're missing is you're not asking you were trying to take what God has given others rather than asking God for what he can give you. Simply put, you've started pray- you stopped praying and started taking. If I can put this in simpler terms, it's you've stopped praying and you started taking. James is talking about this war waged within you. It's it's a war of desire, it's a want for more, and it's caused you to stop looking to God to fulfill your needs. Instead, some of us have bought this lie that we have to manifest our own destiny. You hear that, manifest your destiny? Like if you want something in life, you have to take it. That is not true. I believe that God has a plan and a desire for your life, and you don't need to forcibly take it from anyone. You need to pray for it. In fact, this is what Mark 11:24 24 says. He says, I tell you, you can pray for anything, and if you believe that you've received it, it will be yours. A sign that your faith is not functioning properly is that you've stopped praying. You have stopped asking. But Jake, I have prayed, and God hasn't answered my prayer. He hasn't given me what I wanted. James was ready for that same argument. But James, I have been praying. This is what he says. That leads to, uh, he was ready for that same argument, and, and it leads to symptom four of a faith not functioning. It says, you do not receive. You do not receive. That's sign four. Your faith isn't functioning correctly because you do not receive. See, sometimes we pray, and it feels like a blocked call. You, you know when you call calling someone, and it, like, it rings and rings and rings and rings, and they don't answer, and it goes to voicemail? Like, that's fine. They were probably busy you know when you call someone and it rings like once or twice and then it goes to voicemail, you know you just got blocked. Like they said, no, I see your call and I don't want to talk to you. Some of us, that's how it feels like when we're praying to God. Like we're praying and it's not just that like it, like maybe God was busy, but it's like God was like straight up like, oof, Philip again, that guy. And he just throws it down. Like, sometimes it feels like that. (laughs) Honestly, though, the Bible gives us many reasons for why God might actually block your call. A few of them are sin, unforgiveness. But the reason James gives in this instance is this. He says, yet you do not have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And even when you ask... You don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You only want what will give you pleasure. James says, hey, God is blocking your call. He's not answering your prayers. You don't receive because you ask with the wrong motives. See, we ask for influence or money or fame or whatever it is, and it's purely for personal gain or pleasure. You're only concerned about the legacy you leave behind or how much you can accrue. God is not interested in your personal kingdom building. God is interested in his kingdom building. God is not interested in your personal kingdom building about what you can accrue and how, uh, how concerned you are with how far you can get. He wants you to be concerned with, about how far you can advance the kingdom of God. Those are the calls that God starts taking. And so there's a reason that sometimes God hasn't answered your prayers. And I know that there's a prayer that I've been praying for years and God hasn't answered me on. And it's to win the California lottery. And he just, he just hasn't answered. <laughs> he hasn't answered it because i would buy a mansion in san diego with like a 20 car garage and every spot in that garage would have a car and i would have a massive yacht and i would travel the world and i would just be a selfish billionaire and God is like no you're not getting the answer to that prayer but you know the prayers i have seen god answer are the ones where I'm like, God, what, what, what purpose do you have for me? Would you open those doors? It may not be the lottery, but maybe it's working at Cross City Christian Church. God, I, I don't know who you have for me, but would you, just, would you just direct me that right person, and maybe we would just, would we date really well, and would you just show me that this is the person, and God, I'm just placing that in your hands when that time comes. I'm married now to an amazing wife and I have a little daughter named Lainey. I've seen God answer the prayers and I've seen him block some of my calls. So you may not be receiving answers to your prayers because your prayers don't line up with what God wants for your life. In fact, him not answering some of your prayers may be saving you from some big mistakes. Because I would be married to a girl named Alana that I met in the third grade if God answered all my prayers. But the biggest reason we ask God for things with the wrong motives really comes down to symptom number five, which is this. You look like the world. These are all signs your faith isn't functioning correctly. Problems in your relationships, you don't have and so you take. You don't ask and you don't receive because you're asking for the wrong things. And number five, you look like the world. Look at verse four. It says, you adulterers, don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I say it again. If you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God do you think the scriptures have no meaning they say that god is passionate that the spirit he has placed within us should be faithful to him i want us to see when your faith is working you desire the things of god You're passionate to follow Jesus. The Holy Spirit leads you to live out Jesus' teaching. It leads you to love others. It causes you to want to be a part of building God's kingdom here on earth. But when faith isn't functioning properly, we want what the world wants. And the world is full of people who are just clamoring to be at the top and will do anything it takes to get there. A few years ago... I had my first experience at a restaurant called Joe's Crab Shack, I think that's what it's called. I drove down to San Diego, ate at one. Great seafood. I'm not usually the biggest seafood person, but like I had a little crab feed and it was delicious. But I don't know if you've ever seen them catch crabs or like have crabs in a bucket. But like the bucket is like not that deep and there's a lot of crabs they put in a bucket, live crabs. Crabs could get out if they weren't so stupid. And here's what happens, is that they are all clamoring to get out of the bucket that as they're climbing up, other crabs are grabbing their legs and yanking them down to pull themselves up. And it's just this continuous, like they're, they're, they're almost there and, and they're just yanking each other down, clamoring, and none of them make it out because they're all clamoring from the top, like grabbing legs, like 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 pulling down. And see, that's what the, the world ties about you manifest destiny if you want it you have to take it and what does it usually mean we have to run over others and we have to pull others down on our way to the top you gotta you just gotta yank your way to the top you gotta push whoever out of your way you gotta make it you gotta get there so you can succeed see God has more for you in your life than just clamoring your way to the top and stepping on whoever you can to get there God wants your life to look different. He wants you to be built different. He desires for you to have a life and life to the fullest. And life to the fullest is the exact opposite of what the world says it is. The world's like, just get as much as you can, as fast as you can. If you're not trying to be a millionaire by the time you're 22, there's a problem with you. I mean, that's just that's all it is. All it is. All it is. And you're rushing and, and the world's just trying to, you just need to get ahead. And what you're rushing towards is really empty. If you look like the world, there's something wrong with your faith. Because really, God has something more for you than what the world has to offer. So that's a symptom. So James does this sort of functionality test. And I ran through these quick because there's, there's more to this. But James does this functionality test. He says, look out for these things in your life. Look for these symptoms. Symptom one, relational problems. Symptom two, you don't have... So you take symptom three, you don't ask. You've stopped praying. Symptom four, you don't receive because you've been asking for the wrong things. And symptom five, you look like the world. You're chasing after what the world has and what the world wants and what the world tells you you should have. He says, these are symptoms that will show you that there's something wrong with the functionality of your faith. See, there's always going to be a symptom where there's a problem. Here's what we don't want to do. We don't want to just treat the symptoms. We want to fix the root of the problem. We don't want to just treat the relational issues here, and we don't want to just treat the, okay, well, I'll start praying here. You're gonna start fixing symptoms. James wants to fix the problem. He wants your faith to start functioning again. Last summer, Our AC on one side of the house, we have like a split AC, and the AC on one side of the house stopped working. Like it stopped blowing cold, and I noticed because I was boiling alive in my own house. And so I called my friend who is an AC repairman, and he comes over to the house, and of course, he starts running through the tests. So we put the AC on, we turn it down, he checks the different vents, he goes outside, he checks the big AC carburetor th- I don't know what it's called. I'm not an AC preparer, man. And he's like going through and he's checking all the stuff. And at the end of it all, he says, look, the reality is you've got a problem. I was like, I know that, man. That's why I called you. He's like, but your, your AC is, it's leaking. It's leaking. You're going to need a whole new AC unit. He said, but it's not leaking bad enough yet to where you, you, don't, have, you don't have to replace it now. You, you've got maybe another summer with it. He's like, what I can do is I can just refill the Freon in there and it'll get you through. He's like, but I want you to know I'm not fixing your problem. You're going to have this problem again. I'm only treating a symptom. Like, you're gonna see it, it's gonna it's gonna leak some more, and it's not gonna blow as cold, and it may be a year, it may be two, but I'm telling you, I'm only treating the symptom, eventually you're gonna have to fix the problem. See, symptoms will just keep popping up and getting worse if you don't fix the root issue. Here's the problem here in this scenario. When it comes to a faith and a faith not functioning, if you see these symptoms and you have these symptoms in your life, here's the problem. I'm gonna let you in on this little secret. It's you, you're the problem. Taylor Swift wrote one of the most relatable songs in human history when she said, hi, it's me, I'm the problem, it's me. The Bible has been saying that for literal generations. James knows what the issue is. Look at what James says. He says, what's causing the quarrels and fights among you? He's not like, hey, what's causing these fights? He's not asking an actual question. He says, don't they come from the evil desires that are at war within who? You. You. You are the problem. (laughs) If you're experiencing these symptoms, if you have a faith that isn't functioning, James says it comes down to you. There's something wrong in you. There's something that needs to be addressed in you. You don't have, you don't ask, you don't receive. You look like the world. This is not a God problem. Because a lot of times when we have issues with our faith, we like to make it a God problem. This isn't a God problem. It's an us problem. It's an us problem. Here's the amazing thing is that in verse 6, it says that God gives us grace generously and he gives grace generously. See the problem's you, but thankfully God gives grace and God does not discard you. Because you're not functioning right. God does not discard you because your faith is maybe a little wonky right now. God gives grace and he wants to work in you and through you so that your faith would be a faith that works. He wants to work in you and through you. He wants to change it. He wants to take a faith that maybe isn't functioning right. He wants to fix it up and he wants to fix the problem and he wants to put you back in the world with a faith that works. And so here's two things that we see in a faith that is working properly in chapter four of James. And if we can do this, if we can aim for these two things, we would fix the root problem, which is us, and these symptoms would go away. First is this, a faith that works, works through humility. A faith that works, works through humility. See, I think the biggest blocker of working faith is pride. See, the first thing we have to do is we, we have to admit that we need help, right? Like, that's called humility. You can't fix a problem if you don't admit there's a problem. I could, I could have ignored my AC until it was 102 in the house, and I'm dying of heat stroke, and like, there's no problem in here. AC's working fine. We can't fix a problem unless we admit there's a problem. And, and many of us don't like to admit that we need help. Like we like to act like we have it all together. And we, we think that like the church is just a place for like saints to, to walk in. And we, have to, we feel like we have to put on this front, like, oh yeah, my faith is great. I have no issues, like I'm perfectly fine. The, the church is not a, a place for saints. It's a hospital for the broken is really what it is. You can come and you can be real and you have to be real with God. Because it, it, at the root of it, we can say, I've got this. But your heart is probably saying, we don't got this. If you're experiencing the symptoms, you have to admit there's a problem. and it, it, it's, it's not a problem that you can fix, though. Only God can fix it. And you have to admit that in order to move forward. Look at verse 10. It says, Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up in honor. You don't need to feel ashamed to come to God. You don't need to feel ashamed to admit there's an issue with the function of your faith. God wants you to come to Him and say, "Hey, I've got it wrong. I've been going about this the wrong way. I, I, I've only been about myself, only uh, not enough about You. But I've been all about me, God. I've been kind of treating You like a genie in the bottle, uh, sending my prayers up like a wish. Well, I wish for this. Well, I need this. I want this business. I need these things. And God, You better give them to me. Oh, You're not giving it to me, so I'm." I'm going to go take, you're going to say, hey, I, got, I got it wrong, God. And you don't have to feel about that it, bad about that. In fact, God says he will lift you up in honor. There is honor in setting aside your pride and in humility, asking God to lift you up because he's going to lift you up, he's going to pick you up, and this is what he's going to do. He's going to bring you close. So secondly, a faith that works walks closely with God. A faith that works, walks closely with God. Verse eight, it says, come close to God and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. When your faith is malfunctioning, it's because you're not close to the one who gives it function. When your faith is malfunctioning, it's because you're not close to the one who gives it function. We have to draw near to God. You have to draw close to Him. You have to give up your loyalty to the world. That's what James says. In other words, we have to give up our selfish ambitions and desires in our hearts for everything the world says will fulfill us. We have to give that up and we have to walk closely to God who promises to fulfill us. And you know what that means? That means giving up control. That's really what this is about. James says, you've lost your way. You're fighting. You you feel like you're lacking. You're not not praying anymore. You've stopped receiving from God because what have you done? You have taken control. You have grabbed control back from God and you haven't given him the reins. You've taken the reins. He says your faith's not working right because you've stepped away from the one who, who makes it function. You're trying to do it on your own. James says, you can't. It's malfunctioning because the author of your faith who makes it work right, you've stepped away from him. It's, of course it's not gonna work right. He says, draw close to God. And that means giving up control. And it means leaving things in God's hands. And that means things may look different than what they thought, like what we thought they would. Things may look different than your five or 10-year plan. Things may look different than your Pinterest board. And it's, it, that's incredibly hard for many of us. I mean, we want control. If we're honest, we want control. That's why a lot of us have been trying to take our little piece of the world, right? We want to decide how our lives are going to turn out you want to go to this place and do this thing and you want what that person has and you're just going to take it from them and you want that person and you want this thing and, and, and just that, that, uh, uh. But see, walking close to God means following where he is going to take you. Steve Jobs, I just recently heard this quote from him. He once famously said that you can only connect the dots in the rear view mirror you need to have faith in something moving forward. And I take that, and I know Steve Jobs may not be the biggest faith person, but when I apply that to our faith, I think that's a lot like our walk with God. Sometimes we don't know how it's gonna pan out. Like God is gonna take us from point to point. And he's going to lead us from point to point. And like sometimes the only way we're going to see how it all connects is when we look in the rearview mirror. When we look back in our lives and we see how God got us from here to here to here. And it's going to take trust and faith in the process in him moving forward. You have to have faith in God. you got to walk close to him. Believing that when you look back, the dots are going to connect. See, when you choose humility and you choose to walk closely with God, your faith will function properly. Here's what's gonna happen to your symptoms. I'm gonna end with this. Instead of looking like the world, you're gonna look like Jesus. And when you look more like Jesus, you're gonna recognize that what you thought you wanted is not actually what you needed. You know, as I started walking with Jesus, I realized I didn't need billions of dollars (laughs) or fame or influence, I needed the promises of God. What really is gonna fulfill me in life was the fruit of the Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, and self control. Those things are gonna fulfill me. Those things are gonna fulfill you. And when you recognize what you actually need, then you're gonna pray for those things. You're gonna ask for those things. And look, I'm not saying you can't pray for a job, you can't pray for a spouse. That's not what I'm saying. You can, you absolutely should pray for that stuff, but your focus should no longer be on what is gonna give you pleasure, but on on the things that are going to be pleasing to God. And when what you're praying for lines up with the will of God for your life, you will receive answers to your prayers. That's God's promise to you. And when you pray and you receive, your needs are met and then your relationships will be healthier because you're no longer fighting others in order to pursue things that aren't meant for you. You're going to be walking securely in what God has for you. Okay, I've said a lot of words. This is how it all comes together. It's, it's a full circle moment, okay? When you humbly, this is, the, the, this is what James is trying to, to communicate through this chapter, and I had to break it down in this way to get into the nitty gritty of it, and I know it's a lot of information, I know, but if you could take away one thing from this, it would be this. When you humbly come before God, and you walk closely with Him, Your relationships will be healthy. You will have everything you need. You will ask faithfully in prayer. You will receive graciously from God and you will look more like Jesus. That's a faith that works. That's what James was trying to communicate in this mess of a chapter of a letter that seems to jump everywhere. He's saying you see all these symptoms and these problems, but look, if you can just come back to the person who makes your faith function, if you can just walk closely with God, you humbly come before him, you give him control, all these symptoms are just, they're gonna be fixed because the root problem is fixed, which is you. You 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 will humbly come before God. You walk closely with Him. Your relationships will be healthy. You have everything you need. You can ask faithfully in prayer. You will receive graciously from God, and you will look more like Jesus. That's a faith that works. That's a faith that works. That's what James wanted to communicate, and that's what Jesus wants for your life. I know it's a lot. I know it's not my usual preaching style, verse by verse there, but I think it was incredibly important to understand what James was trying to communicate and what Jesus wants us to know, amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, I just thank you for a night that we can come and we can study your word, God. Lord, we study lots of things, man. We got school classes and science and math and all these things that we just finished up with, and God, it just, it feels good to focus on you, and it feels good to study a little more in depth uh, in your word and just what you're trying to communicate, Um, God, I just thank you for the ability to have your word, to be able to dissect it verse by verse and see what you're trying to communicate and what you're trying to tell us, God, I, I thank you for the fact that your word is so applicable to us in our lives today. God, to see that the world, it constantly feels like it's changing, but at the root of it, God, we know that you never change. God, that your word is the same today, yesterday, and, and forever. And God, I pray that we can stand on you. God, and we build our lives on you, the rock. And, Lord, I pray that we can just walk closely with you, that we would humbly, in humility, just give our lives over to you, God, that we would give you the reins and control. And God, that we would walk out of here, God, and that we would see these symptoms, that God, that they would go away. And, God, we would see the fulfillment of your promises in our lives. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. amen. Thank you for tuning into AnchorCast. I pray that you take this word and that Jesus transforms your life in ways you never thought possible. Be sure to subscribe and share this podcast with your friends and family. And of course, follow us on social media at Anchor Nights to stay up to date with all of our events, meetings, and uploads. Thanks again for listening and may God bless you.